I'm not doing it. Welcome to the rom-com, dudes. I do that bounce every time I say that. <laughs> Carlton, describe what I do every time. I, there's no words. I, like, throw my, back, my head back. <laughs> do a little hop. Welcome to the rom-com, dudes. Welcome to the rom-com, dudes. It's on video, I guess. There's a... Oh, I'm not doing video this time. Oh, well. Oh, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't record video this time. Yeah, I've been doing bad at that anyway, so. Um, I'm rom-com dude number one. I'm Austin. I'm rom-com dude number two. I'm Carlton. I'm so excited to talk this week. We're talking about Moulin Rouge, or yeah. shall we say Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. Exclamation point. Moulin Rogue. Rogue. Malin Rogue. Do you know what that means in French? Moulin Rouge? Yeah. Isn't it just like a, because it's a play. I, it's a place, but I think there are two French words. I sh- I was going to look that up before I came in. And we were probably sounding really dumb right now. Anyways, Brittany was asking me that last night, but uh, I didn't take a lot of notes in this movie. But I've I will just so many say, times, so. I'll just say this movie is probably the most unique movie we've seen in the lineup. Oh, yeah. Not a romantic comedy. I want to say it's funny. It's kind of funny. I... The last act is well, yeah. dead serious. Oh, yeah. The last act. But... It's a melodrama. Yeah. I would say it's a melodrama comedy. Melodramedy. Melodramedy. Romantic <laughs> melodramedy. There you go. That's a good way to put it. So all it says is Moulin Rouge. Cause I think it's a, oh, all it means is Red Mill. Red Mill. <laughs> oh. Apparently... Moulin Rouge is a cabaret in Paris, France. The yeah. original house was burned down in 1950. It was oh. co-founded in 1889 by Charles Zidler. Wait, these are kind of... They're real, yeah, they're real people. They're real that. people? Yeah. I thought this whole thing was fiction. Well, Moulin Rouge is a real place. It's like where well, prostitutes would hang out. Yeah, and I figured that, but like Charles Zidler, that's... What's his name? Yeah, Broadband plays him. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know about the writer and stuff, but... Um, this movie is a writer, like a playwright's fantasy yeah <laughs> right like it's like the writer the 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 director who wrote this he uh he was like you know what he i did. never get enough hot women in my life so i'm gonna write a i'm gonna write a screenplay <laughs> about a writer getting a hot woman <laughs> he did uh romeo and juliet dude this director's awesome i actually really like i need him. to see more of his stuff i haven't seen his, that his movies are very visually like boom right yeah, this movie is visually face. is fantastic the first the first act is visually fantastic the third act is visually fantastic i think the second act is a little like it's the funniest act i think but it's like also just a straight up movie yeah which is fine like i but overall i think this movie rules i think it's a really good i didn't realize how many oscar nominations this movie got i think eight yeah yeah it won two two costume costume and and set design yeah which is deservedly yeah. so. Yeah, it was crazy. There's, uh, looking at the set, the there was over 300 costumes made for this, requiring yeah. like 80 different people to build them. Yeah, Sem- seamstress. Seamstress. To, to build them, yeah. I read that too. That's crazy. Were you on IMDb for that? Yeah, I read that too. Uh, Baz Lorman Lorman yeah. is the director. He directed Australia, The Great Gatsby, oh. Romeo and Juliet, Moulin Rouge. Um, great director. I, I need to watch more of his movies. He also created the get down on Netflix, which is a pretty unique movie or TV show. It was the most expensive movie or TV show ever produced. That sounds familiar, but I'm not, I I can't, it's about like the kids in the Bronx, um, like finding out music, create like being DJs. Oh yeah. Okay. I watched the first couple. Yeah. I watched the first couple episodes. Wait, this is an expensive film. It was a TV show. It was their most expensive TV show ever. Really? Yeah. And then I think I think Game of Thrones beat that. Yeah. 
It was yeah. like because Game of Thrones came around and. This was before. This was 2016, and then Game of Thrones season, the last season was the most expensive, which uh, was like 2019 or 18 or something. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Great Gatsby, um, Australia, Moulin Rouge, Romeo and Juliet, and then he did a movie called Strictly Ballroom, um, which I've never seen. I want to see a lot more of his movies because I've seen Romeo and Juliet. I thought I saw Moulin Rouge, but I don't remember the second uh, and third act. Oh, really? I've seen so it a few times. I don't think... It really, yeah, it just didn't. When I watched it, I was like, this movie rules, and why have I not? Why do I not remember any of this? Because no. this is a fever dream if I ever saw one. Yeah. Especially that first 30 minutes. Oh, my I gosh. put it in, and I thought this was some special edition DVD <laughs> that I was like, what is this? The first act is gnarly. Dude, I wrote down the conductor, the conductor guy rules in my notes. The guy. The bald dude? No, no, not the bald, like, conductor family, the, like, eunuchs or whatever oh, they yeah. are. <laughs> They're at the very beginning, they're like, there's a guy who's like conducting the 20th century Fox oh, yeah. music. I for, yeah. He's in like sil- silhouette. And yeah. I'm just like, all right, I'm in. Like, there's a guy <laughs> who's just like going full 10, like just hamming it up in front of the, like probably millions of people who saw this movie. I think it did really well at the box office. Yeah. Everyone's hamming it up in this movie. This is like, they went to a buffet and just like put ham on their plate. <laughs> That's all they did. They're like, uh, yeah, I think I need I think, ham with a ham sauce, um, and I'm going to drink ham on the side, if that's okay. The thing is interesting, like, kind of in looking this, oh, gosh, quit being dumb, Apple computer. <laughs> Not letting me right-click. Um, well, let's see. So the main actors in this all named i guess you may not people may not know broadbent offhand but you've definitely seen his work well we did the the diary movies yeah but i mean see, people generally aren't going to just recognize his name harry potter though well yeah probably not his yeah. name but he was in all, yeah. most of the harry potter yeah because he was, who was he's the was? ministry of magic ministry of magic head, was. kind yeah. of a bad guy towards the end because he has a bit yeah he's one of those kind of like a this is pretty common. You usually only really see this with British actors. I say usually because I know there's people like James Franco has quite the... Yeah. He's done a ton. But there's a lot of British actors who just have a ton of films under their belt. Like, no matter what they are. Yeah, and he's in, like, Paddington. He's a huge British actor. Yeah, British. Right? Like, he is in a lot... He has 161 credits on IMDb. Yeah. We were talking about that earlier. But I think it's interesting... Sorry, finish your thought. No, go ahead. Um, Nicole Kidman, Ewan McGregor, and Jim Broadbent, the three main people... Uh-huh. It's all their number one credit on IMDb. Yeah. I mean, this is probably their most successful movie they've yeah. ever done. It, well, Ian McGregor, he's been yeah. in Star Wars, but at least this was, it did well. On, oh, he was the pre- Professor Slughorn in Harry Potter, not the Ministry of Magic. Slughorn, that's what I was like. I knew he was, so I don't think he's in all of them, because I don't think Slughorn comes in until later. Yeah, I think you're right, because he's the new Ministry of Magic. Yeah. Or not Minister of Magic, the Professor. Uh, uh, the Dark, Dark Arts, Arts, the one who actually stays for a while yeah. later on in the series. I'm trying to figure out, um, he's the, yeah, he's the dad in the diary movies we did, which you yeah. guys have already he's, listened to. He's one of the best parts of those Bridget movies. Jones diaries. Yeah, he is. He always plays kind of the dim-witted guy, but in this movie, he's the best part, in my opinion. Yeah. I, we talked a little bit beforehand, but I really think he is just magnificent. Like he said, should have been nominated for an Oscar he's and great. won it. I don't know what else was nominated in 2001, but yeah, that'd be kind of interesting to look at. he was brilliant, like... Moments he's super funny, super like energetic, and just being like the circus, you know, uh, ring master. And then the next minute he is like telling Nicole Kidman to get her stuff together and like yeah. 
you better get us our money or we're going to be screwed. Yeah. And it's just like perfect. I've never, yeah, the acting's it, brilliant. It's, he's, he, he has an interesting role in where you, you kind of learn by the end of the movie, he comes from a genuine place the entire time. The entire time. But a lot of it, you kind of like, wait, why, why is he being like this? You He's kind of being, not scummy is the wrong word. Yeah, kind of a villain. Yeah. Yeah, he feels, he looks like a villain. He feels like a villain. He's got the curly mustache. He he looks like he's just doing this for the money, but really in the end, yeah. he's just so it's genuine. genuine. So good. Um, I was going to look up. I was just kind of curious just because of how much, this is probably... I'm gonna. We've done enough movies now, or I'd have to really think about this. Is probably one of the the biggest, at least, Oscar nominations of all the movies we've done. I think it is for sure. I don't know yeah. anything that. Like I said, it isn't. Maybe Annie Hall. Might I guess Annie Hall some. did. Um, like I said, it is a, definitely a, a stretch of a romantic comedy. Um, yeah. But there's definitely enough of romance and comedy. Um, this first. Act, I think, I don't know if I said, did I say this on mic? That it's like a fever dream. Yeah. It's like the craziest thing I've ever seen on film. Yeah. Feels like Edgar Wright directed it, but like next level. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just, he uses visuals and sound to, uh, yeah. like, the sound design. Craziest gosh, way. Great. Yeah. Sorry, quick pause. So, while well, well, we talk. This would be in the 2002 Oscar yes. stuff, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see who the supporting... I'm going to look who the supporting actors were. Um, actor in a leading role. Actor in a supporting role. So Jim Broadbent in Iris. Oh, that's him. Wait a second. Oh. Okay, okay. So he got nominated for an Iris. I think he won... He won actually this year in 2002, but not for this movie. He won for Iris, which is a forgettable movie that doesn't really exist except for Oscar. Nominees. I have no idea what that. Iris is like it has Judy Dench in it. I saw it earlier. Hmm. But there's a lot of movies that came out this year. Holy cow! Because Training Day, Beautiful yep. Mind, I Am Sam, Ali. It was a pretty good year. It was 9-11. Lord so of the Rings, Fellowship a, of the Ring. Oh, yeah. Lord of the Rings came out that year. Um, yeah, Judy Dench and Jim Broad. It's a true story of a lifelong romance between novelist Iris Murdoch and her husband, John Bailey. Oh, Bridget Jones' diary. From their also student the days. Through her. Man, he was acting a lot this year. <clears throat> That's kind of interesting. Just because of the, the culture and the, the support around arts just in British compared to America. Mm-hmm. Like these people just have in a sense, more of an opportunity just because of the support of the arts. Like these people yeah. are prolific. There's less people too, I think. Oh, is yeah. that okay. a big that's, part? That's like, that's obviously there's a lot of factors, but the fact that they have, I mean the BBC, they're like, so that whatever controversy may be around the BBC, the fact that it, I think, again, this is me trying not to get too political, but I like the idea of this public supported art yeah. stuff. I, we have me, PBS, but it's like a quarter of what yeah. BBC is. Yeah. If that. And doesn't even do, yeah, like I, I appreciate what they've done to some extent, but it's just nowhere near what the BBC does. Yeah. Like, side note, I've been listening to a BBC original podcast, which is a, a fiction podcast. It's so good. What is I don't it? know what's happening, but oh. it's, <laughs> what's it's this a podcast. Oh, it's uh, called. <clears throat> Look it up. That's so funny that Jim Broadbent won this year, but for the wrong movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's called Tracks. 
I do know what it's about. It's just kind of. I got you. It's, it's a, a true crime. It's a conspiracy oh. theory. Cons- not conspiracy theory. Conspiracy based um, mystery. Ooh. Tracks coming to you soon <laughs> in a theater when theaters open again in 2025. <laughs> 2025. <laughs> Ooh, it's Black- going to be funny. Well, that's interesting because Black Hawk Down was that same year. In, yeah, uh, Ethan Hawke got nominated. Ewan McGregor was in Black Hawk Down. Those guys, they act. Well, and Star Wars was filmed this, that year, 2001. For, uh, for number two. Mm-hmm. So Ewan McGregor, well, that's one of the... Was Cobb, it filmed or did it came out that year? They were filming it because they were finishing up Moulin Rouge and Ewan McGregor was like, hey, I got to go film Star Wars. And so Fox did both. <clears throat> 20th Century Fox did Star Wars and Moulin Rouge. And so 20th Century Fox kicked out Moulin Rouge to do Star Wars and Ewan McGregor was like kind of juggling both. But that was a like big problem. They had to push the release back. They started filming this in 99 and didn't come out until like halfway at the end or halfway through 2001. That's crazy. It, they were pushing it for December 20 or December 2000 for a big Oscar push, but they released it like May or May limited in May. And then I think they did it a little bit later. Oh, worldwide. that would probably explain why it's, it was in. Okay. Cause it, they did can festival in May. Okay. So that's what it got the big push to go. So do even though there is, like I was just looking at the box office numbers. That's why it has, like it's like week three, but wasn't like the big public opening. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're I didn't know they get ca- those Oscar numbers. I didn't know they count that kind of stuff before. Yeah. I thought I thought weekend opening was. No, those. I thought they the only. Smallest. I didn't realize they counted. I mean, I guess if it, a festival. I mean, it's still a public. Like it's a public viewing. Oh, like they might they, not count the festival, but they. I think they did a limited screening probably even before they did it. Uh, wide. Okay. So that's probably what the week three stands for too. Gotcha. I don't know. Um, it took it. It took two years to clear all the music. Did you read that? I didn't, but it doesn't surprise me, dude. I was wondering how much it cost them to get the lights yeah. licensing for all this music. Yeah, because they especially... have like Nirvana. I you never hear Nirvana yeah. in movies. Oh, so that's a, I mean, it's part of that weird first act anyway. So if the way they do it, it fits really well. Yeah, just because they do that. Uh, I feel like they kind of overdid it, but I think it worked because they didn't do it the whole film. They did it just for the first that that weird like. Where they would do slow motion without like properly like filming it, yeah. so it's either like a shutter speed thing or whatever. Well, they do twenty four frames per second, but then they like slow they it still down, slow it down. To, like twelve. You know, they do yeah. the twelve. Because I know you can do that with because if you do it with a like a slower shutter speed as well. Mm-hmm. So whether it's an actual slow mo or just a shutter speed, I mean, there's a myriad of ways you yeah. can accomplish. They that. They do it on purpose though to yeah. give it that like authentic feel. Yeah. They do it with the speed ups too though. Oh they yeah, use twenty four frames per second to speed it yeah, up, and it just... looks just as weird. Yeah, they do it a lot in Mad Max. So if you ever watch Fury Road. You'll, they do. They'll speed it up. Oh, I almost knocked my water over. They speed it up, and it's still 24 frames per second, and it's like it looks all jumbly. It's pretty interesting. I'm trying to remember which parts they. I haven't watched Mad Max um, for a while, so the very beginning where Max is trying, he's like getting captured by the by the the, oh. the bros. <laughs> what are they? The other dudes. <laughs> I don't know their names. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they, uh. He's he's pretty famous for doing that. The guy who directed Mad Max, he does that a lot. Gotcha. He, he heightens the speed. Uh, Marilyn Manson was supposed to sing "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Marilyn Manson. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And then <laughs> he like one of the one of the actors and him had a feud, and so oh. they weren't able to do it. Oh, okay. Ozzy Osbourne was supposed to have a major role. 
in the movie. Did but you read that? He, yeah, because he's part of the that fairy, but he's not even the voice the whole time. Yeah, he is a little bit. Like he's the scream. <laughs> yeah, he's the scream. And then, yeah, the green fairy is what yeah. he was, and then they cut him. When they're out. on the absinthe. Yes. <laughs> um, Zidler's the best part, I wrote. He's so like good. I said, he's definitely... You don't think so, though. You think... Do you, I who's think, your favorite part? I... Nicole Kidman's my second favorite. I think... I, I mean, I really like Ewan McGregor. I think a lot of it because it's always had a surprise because the first time I ever saw Ewan McGregor was in Star Wars. Yeah. I'd never seen anything before, and then I saw this movie and was just blown away. Yeah. Um, You'd be kind by, of... This, kind, this year, he became kind of a superstar. Yeah. 99 to 2004. Yeah, and, and a lot of that was Star Wars, but this movie obviously helped with it as well. But, but he's in train spotting, and he's been in other, like, yeah. hits, but yeah, yeah, Star Wars definitely put him in the map, yeah. on the map. Yeah. Um, but I think that surprise, so there, there's a bit, because I saw this in high school or middle school. When did I see this? Because I know I saw it. I know I saw it after my brother got married because I watched it first on recommendation from my sister-in-law. Um, so anyway, so there's a bit of nostalgia just because of that, of my love of musicals and kind of being in a weird place of like what my friends like, but then just seeing kind of this like pop through music made into this kind of cool musical and seeing his freaking vocal range in this film. Yeah. Because Ian McGregor's vocal range is incredible. Yeah, he's a really good singer. I'm surprised yeah. he doesn't do more musicals yeah. or more. I'm sure he does stage Oh, plays. probably. But he did, He was in Big Fish around this time. And yeah, it was, that was a few years later, I believe. Yeah, 2004. I think, yeah, it sounds about right. I still have to, I started that years ago and never finished it. It's a movie about lying, Carlton, you know, and oh. how lying actually wins in the end. Yeah. No, just kidding. But yeah, I I really think my favorite part is Nicole Kidman. Like I think it's very so very deserved Oscar nomination. She's like thirty five in this. Nicole Kidman doesn't age. Let's just get that out of the yeah. way now. She doesn't age. She's gonna be forever twenty eight. Yeah. Thirty, and uh, she looks wonderful in this, and she looks wonderful. in She's a wig the entire movie. She is, and I don't know why she kind of has a natural like strawberry blonde hair. Yeah, you think they just like? I guess I can see where. With if you have the choice of like having a wig or getting your hair dyed like that, because dye can do some damage. I guess if you so. care about your hair. Her hair though is naturally blonde, so I would think like it would wash out pretty. I don't know. She gets she loves getting thrown around in movies. I've decided like Big she Little gets, Lies. She gets thrown around a I've lot. I've never seen Big Little Lies. It's HBO. It's very serious. Oh, that's sad. the one of the pretty big ensemble cast. Yeah, like, Nicole uh, Kidman. Uh, um, Jurassic Park leader. Can't think of her name. Jurassic Park. Oh yeah. Uh, What's her name? Freaking uh, Dern. 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 Uh, Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Yeah. Love her. She's my favorite. I love her. Up there with Nicole Kidman. Um, and then it has, uh, what's a We've got Divergent a, Chick. Yeah, Divergent Girl. What's her name? And uh, we got... Uh, Doesn't it have Meryl Streep in it later? Like Meryl Streep's like a, in season two. Season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to see that. But anyways. Big Little Lies is brilliant. Yeah, I think it's... Good. Yeah. Season two is okay. You know, it's not... The greatest, but season one's definitely worth uh, Reese Witherspoon's in it. Reese Witherspoon, I was like, I knew there was another. Shaylee Woodley is her name. Shaylee, and then Zoe Kravitz is in it, too. Oh, Zoe Kravitz is in it, too. Okay. Yeah. She's um, the hippie. Ch- Adam Scott's in it, too. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. He's a he's And then a Alexander Skarsgård is in it. Alexander Skarsgård is the one who throws around Nicole Kidman. Oh, okay. He does yeah. weird roles. <laughs> yeah. He's a professional he's weirdo. Skarsgård. Them and the Skarsgårds. You're thinking of the other Skarsgård. He's not an it. Oh. That's um, his brother. Uh, not Alex. Anyways, it's a, he's a Skarsgård too. Oh, okay. Anyways, back to Moulin Rouge. 
Um, yeah, there's just there's the, the behind the scenes of this, like just Bill. reading into it is really Bill interesting. Bill is it. Oh, okay. Before we kept going. Yeah, so as uh, as Austin was saying, the beginning is this, it, I could, the way it's written is kind of just a fantasy of a writer. Like, I don't know what this dude. main dude looks like. I don't know what the writer looks like, but like the way that it's written is it, because it's a, a bit of a meta film. Yeah. So the idea is uh, um, Ewan McGregor's character, again, Christian, I think is the name, is with this theater troupe. And yeah. they're trying to get their... Well, they like... He's a writer who moves to Moulin Rouge yeah. to get a writing gig. Mm-hmm. And he uh, runs into this theater troupe and he tells them he's a writer. Yeah. Or no, they like hire him as the writer. Yeah. He, well, because the way they do it, I think it's fun. It's a little confusing, but it's fun how they do it. So um, one of the guys in the theater troupe is a narcoleptic. Oh, yeah. Arge- Argentinian narcoleptic. That's right. <laughs> um, and so as they're kind of playing this out, there's a part in the because um, a lot of I hit the mic. Did it make a noise? Oh, I'm not bad if it did. Okay, good. I'm not seeing anything. Sorry, everyone. Um, the way I like the so all of the as Austin was saying, there's a lot of licensed music in this. A there's lot. only there's, there's only one original song. Kind and it's kind of original. yeah. That's a, that that will be a fun conversation. Yeah. That was interesting to look into. Um, and Juliet song. Yeah, but all of the music is supposed to be original music for the time like he so he's a he's a writer yeah. and he's a poet so all of his poetry is sung yes and so he sings uh MTV. sound of music song i can't remember yeah, yeah. and it's like mtv there's like sound of music stuff but then there's also like mtv era music too yeah um like there's a big variety of uh like I said kind of some older pop music as well yeah um but they're kind of having this part where they're they're still writing their production that they're working on that they've hired him in. And he he has this moment where he sings it. And they're like, oh, he's a great writer. Yeah. And so he kind of becomes part of it. And they had a, a different writer before who is actually in Lord of the Rings. He's Faramir. Oh. That's that original guy who leaves. Yeah. I was like, I knew he looked familiar. It was weird looking, but yeah. Faramir's in this for five minutes. That's right. Um, I recognize that. And so he becomes a part of this troupe. And then they're... From what I gather, like I said, I realized this part is always because you're always kind of a lot of the spectacle. It's, the story's a little hard to follow at the beginning, just because mm-hmm. of how crazy it is. It but they're trying to get nuts. their their play to be in the Moulin Rouge. Right. They're trying to get it pitched, and so they can because that's how they would make their money. And so they go to this event party, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it's really nuts. So scene where Nirvana like, is playing and. It's the can-can. Yeah. Like, the can-can's going, and all these rich guys come to watch yeah. them strip, really. <laughs> like, yeah. And so they use... And so I was a little... Because they're... So two storylines cross is what happens. And so Ian McGregor's trying to get his stuff pitched, um, but then they use prostitutes to get yeah. funding. They, right. they they seduce these men, and so it's supposed to be this guy, this duke. So yeah, I don't think he has a name. He's just the Duke. He's the Duke, and then and his diamond dogs are the girls. Okay, right. That's the name of the yeah. group. And so they know that they can get funding from him, and so that's that's essentially what Nicole Kidman's character. That's what she does. And her her name's the Diamond, the something, the Shining Diamond. She's like the main attraction. Yeah, everyone goes to Moulin Rouge to see Nicole Kidman. Yeah, Satine. Satine. That's right. Um, Satin. And so they after this whole like 
trip of a visual and music, uh, he finally gets in to meet with uh, Nicole Kidman. And they like they meet on the dance floor, kind of appear uh, momentarily. And he says he wants to come read poetry to her. And I think it's kind of a way to kind of like, oh, I'm a good writer. You should use our stuff. And she thinks he's the Duke, so she's yes. trying to seduce him. Yep. And he's confused, so he's he's like reading off very awkward poetry, while she's acting like she's getting like overly turned on. Yep. <laughs> it's so it's uncomfortable like and so funny acting. to watch. It's very funny. Um, and then he sings uh. Your song by Elton John. In this yes. greater Oh, so good. I love this arrangement. Yeah, it's. I'll really be like good. I've heard this arrangement before. I heard the original Elton John, uh-huh. which is weird because I remember we had a lot of Elton John in my house growing up, but obviously not this one. It was my favorite song in the movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. This one and I really like the original. I like the story aspect. I think it's my favorite Elton John song. That's probably why I was like, oh yeah, yeah this is great. <clears throat> um, Have you seen um, Rocket Man? I haven't yet. You need to watch it. It reminded me of this movie a lot, actually. Very similar. Oh, I can see that. Just Rocket because Man's a musical, too. Instead of, yeah, th- th- in this kind of style where it's licensed musical type stuff yeah. instead of original. Mm-hmm. But it's like the first two acts are very funny and fun, and then the third act is very kind of gets down and serious. And That's cool. Yeah. yeah I, like I said, it's been on my to watch for a while. But, and so there's just a lot of this, this great, and then it, it gets a little wonky here, but so they have this little musical number, singing your song. And just the arrangement, like I said, I, Nicole Kidman, there's moments where she's a little bit weaker, but she still has a, a good enough voice, and it, and it blends really well musically yeah. with Ian McGregor's. And then the opera singer, they kind of have backing it up. It's just a great arrangement, and there's a very a lot of elements of love in this movie, oh, and that's yeah. kind of what this. Um, that's what the, the movie's about. Yeah, and so that's why he kind of puts it this way. And she, what's she, the line they keep saying? You should know it. I should. It's the rhyming line. Yeah, crap. You put me on the spot, and I that's can't like remember. <laughs> Here, years ago, there's an IMDb section for, for anyone, for quotes. Yes, there is. I bet it's the number one quote. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. That's what it is. <laughs> yep. That is a that is said throughout Ooh, it. Oh, I was going to pitch this idea before you go on. That okay. we had to sing this entire episode. Oh, also, we didn't even say this. We're 20 minutes in, but we're doing a musical series for oh. summer. <laughs> This is the start of our musical series. So we're going to do this, and then we're going to probably do two more musicals. So just to let everyone know that we're doing a little musical series. <laughs> now that we're how far? Gosh, we're idiots. <laughs> but just like, we, I think we have the ideas of what movies yep, we want to do. Minutes. <laughs> 26 <laughs> minutes in, and we're now introducing the podcast. Welcome to Rom-Com Dudes. We're starting over. Uh, we're doing a musical series. Yep. <sighs> Trying out three. We've done a couple, like I said, we did a, a, a real series of Bridget Jones, and we did Halloween. Yeah, which was a mistake. The Halloween one? <laughs> no, the Bridget Jones. Oh, the Bridget Jones, yeah, that was. I still think about them, like, oh my gosh, we're going to get so many views on those. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so, uh, the Halloween one, very fun. That was kind of our original idea, and then we're like, we want to do another one, so we're like, let's do musicals, and Carlton really... His pitch was Moulin Rouge. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, I thought I saw it, but I have not. Anyways, keep going with what you were saying. I can't remember what I was saying now. I interrupted you multiple times just there, and I feel terrible. Oh, it's just this. Uh, I really just like this whole part. I like with this, would you? I'm, I always have the hardest time differentiating between acts sometimes. Would you still consider this act one, or did you kind of. I think act one kind of finishes after. Uh, uh, 
Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman meet. Okay. It's kind of how I felt. So we're at the end of Act 1 is kind of the... Yeah, like, okay. and then Act 2 kind of starts up them getting together, him writing gotcha. the script. Okay. Their whole The whole pitch to the Duke is the end of Act 1, in my opinion. Okay. And then Act 2 is like them getting the play together and gotcha. kind of sleeping around. And that then whole... Act 3 is the play. Gotcha. Okay. Odd. That's fair. That was... I thought that was the setup for me. Yeah, That's what that makes sense. That felt good to me. But um, so yeah, we're getting the, the end of Act 1 of like, so they had this uh, musical so moment. Good. So good. The pitching, oh, it's so oh gosh. so fun. So, yeah, there's a moment after after they sing your song, and she's kind of, and she, like so Nicole Kidman's acting here is like you can tell she's because so she's not supposed to let her guard down. Like that's not her job. Yeah. She's supposed to do. So you can just visually, she really does good physical acting of showing like, wait a second, this is different. Yeah. And I really just that's there's so many things about this moment that just sells the movie. So the. This this idea is like the usual suspect kind of idea where he looks around the room to pitch the movie cause, or the play because the Duke's like, well, what's the play? Yeah. And he's like, well, it's called fan- Spectacular Spectacular. Because that, that was already what they're working on. Yes, they were already working on that. And he yeah. kind of told that to Zollinger yeah. at one point. And so Zollinger was the one who says like, it's called Spectacular Spectacular, which is a fantastic name for yes. a play, even though it probably tells you nothing. Yeah. But it reminds me of The Killer's Wonderful, Wonderful album. <laughs> they yeah. have an album called Wonderful, Wonderful. <laughs> but it's Spectacular Spectacular. But I think there's a movie called Spectacular Spectacular. Probably. Anyway, who cares? Um, and then and then that's when Ian McGregor's doing that usual suspect thing what by looking around the room and being like well there'll be uh no no oh yeah india it's based in india and he's yeah. like the hindu elephant yeah because there's a whole so before this the duke does come in but Ewan mcgregor's still in the room yeah he's like hiding and yeah and uh before this actually this is one thing i forgot about because for some reason i thought this was introduced later but um you can tell nicole kidman has some sort of sickness illness. yes yeah you learn this like said very big near the beginning of the film yeah that she kind of passes out after uh she gets caught from the she's in the railings at the very beginning yeah. and she falls yeah. and everyone's like what and then zollinger's like no she's okay yep. and everyone's like ah, woo. Mm-hmm. and so the dude and this is where you're introduced to the duke and this is nicole kidman thought i think i already said this but even she thought Ewan mcgregor was yeah the it's duke. a classic mix mix up yeah the guy's like, hey, it's the it's the man shaking the handkerchief at the Duke. That's the Duke. And then when Nicole Kidman sees it, he's actually shaking the handkerchief, too. Because they're dressed the same. Yeah, but it's kind of meant to be that way. Like, that was part of their plan. Yeah. It was, like, to be next to the Duke so that they could get in the room get their with thing Nicole pitched. Kidman. Yeah. So, yeah, and so they start. So to kind of explain to the Duke why, why he's in the room with um, Nicole Kidman, he says, we're pitching we're working on an idea yeah and his his troop has been kind of spying on them the yep. whole time so they kind of jump in like yeah we're doing a rehearsal oh what is this about and that that's where you're kind of explaining this mm-hmm. usual suspects of and then he puts himself in the position like he writes his own story as well of because he he got a lot of uh context about the uh duke and yes. the relationship as well because he was in the room um this is i also want to point out this is the scene there's a lot going on in the first act but like you also see Zollinger kind of being creepy, like creeping in on them going to have, like going to have sex. And yeah. so they like, you kind of feel like that evilness coming mm-hmm. from him. And then that it's not a twist, but you see that character growth that he's really not that way. Yeah. He's just kind of a man who, I mean, he is gross in that scene, yeah. but like he grows as a better character yeah. as the movie goes on. It's yeah. Really- I was like, not to just like said his job is to get the funding. 
Yes. And so he's, he's like, okay, I got to make sure this is going well. Yep. Even though I'm doing it in a creepy way. <laughs> so, yeah, then they pitch this, this play on the spot of his story of being this poor writer wanting to get the girl. But she's supposed to be with this, the writ, the, the word they use the whole time. It's a Hindu or Indian phrase. I'm going to sound uncultured. Yeah. No, I know you're talking. <laughs> In the actual play, the play that they write, Spectacular, Spectacular. I can't remember the I can't remember that. either. So <laughs> it's kind of how, you know, that's how they pitch it and the Duke's in. Yep. But the Duke's, he has, you know, later on, he's like, okay, I want to do it, but Nicole Kidman is mine. Yep. Like she's going to be mine exclusively and no one else can have her in your, in your Moulin Rouge. And, uh, Zollinger's like, okay, that's fine. Or Zidler. I keep saying Zollinger. His name's Zidler. Oh yeah. It is Zidler, huh? <laughs> the red. Anyways, <clears throat> he's like, fine. Yeah, we can, we can make that work. And so, um, I think that's a little bit later, but cause Nicole Kidman and Neil McGregor are starting to fall in love a little bit at mm-hmm. this, at this time. Yeah. I kind of want to get some backstory on the director so they they call this the red curtain trilogy uh moulin rouge romeo well it goes romeo and juliet moulin rouge and then australia it's like just magazines and entertainment magazines have called those three the red curtain trilogy hmm. that um baz did because they're all very similar like they kind of have this same workout of like tragedy tra- tragedy and love and humor and hmm. and uh kind of music speckled in i didn't i don't know why australia australia doesn't have the same feel to me as Mulan Rouge i know it's and long Romeo and juliet I, i've heard good things about it i want to see it but yeah it's an epic it's it's about i i remember seeing it a long time ago but it's i remember cow herding through through a sheep herding oh is it sheep i think sheep is a, sheep. sheep's a big um staple is that the word i'm looking for in yeah. australia Sheep farming is really big in Australia. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. It has Hugh or Hugh, It's like it's Hugh Jackman and Nicole Hugh Kidman Jackman in Australia. And they're they're all Australian. They're both Australian. Yeah, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman. And Baz. Oh, is he Australian? The director is Australian too. I just know this is a, and I know it's a long movie too. I remember being yeah. told that much. I remember seeing it not I mean, I was like twelve, so I don't yeah. know. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was interesting and I was wondering if the director was a music, like if he did music videos first, because that's what it kind of feels like, right? Like it yeah. feels like he, and even the art style and all of his movies feel musical-esque. Yeah. But really he just did like ballroom. So he was with music and then oh, okay. he, did, he did that ballroom movie at the very beginning and then he did Romeo and Juliet. And oh, okay. Then, so, I don't know, kind of interesting. That was interesting. Baz is a nickname. It's not even his real name. Oh, but it must be mm-hmm. it, now a professional name apparently. Yes. Mark Anthony Lumen. It's his real name. I don't know how what Baz comes from. <laughs> um. So yeah, he he kind of started opera, theater, and music recordings, but okay, yeah. So then Act Two comes around, and this is when they're just getting the play together, mm-hmm. and Nicole Kidman and <laughs> why can I never remember his name? Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. I'm the worst. <laughs> Just fire me. You and McGregor are sneaking around and being together. They're performing with one another and telling the Duke, like, hey, we got to perform. We can't. I don't have Nicole Kidman saying, I don't have time to be with you. I got to do these things. And the Duke's, like, complaining to to Zidler, like, oh. hey, man, I'm supposed to have exclusive rights to her. And she's performing a lot. And Zidler's being the man during all this, right? Yeah. He's like... I got you. Like, well, I'll get her to the room, and then he like catches him. But there's a bunch of other stuff that happens where Zidler's always just 
helping Nicole Kidman at oh, yeah. every corner. Yeah. Just being the coolest dude yeah. you could be. And I think, so here's one part. We talked about how Ziller's kind of creepy. I think a lot of it is downplayed because of how extraordinarily uncomfortably creepy the Duke is this entire movie. Oh, I mean, he's the villain. He's worse. Like, yeah. he's, you, he, this actor does a good job of making you hate him mm-hmm. on every level. Well, he, just, like, almost rates Nicole Kidman oh, in yeah. one scene. It's pretty gross. But, yeah, he is the worst, literally. And he, um, it's Richard Roxburgh. I was like, I don't name. I've seen him before. Oh, okay, so he's in, like, um, I don't, I don't recognize him besides this movie. Recently, he's been in Hacksaw Ridge. He was in... He looks like he plays a villain a lot. So, Van Helsing. He's Count Dracula in Van Helsing. He's, he's, Van, he's Dracula in Van Helsing? Yeah. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He's M, whoever that I've is. I've never seen that movie. Oh, he's in Mission Impossible 2 as Hugh Stamp. But that's why I've probably seen Wait. him. Wait. I don't remember the names of people. I haven't seen Mission Impossible 2. He literally years. looks like a villain. He, like, yeah, he, he is does. straight up just villainous looking. Yeah. Um, He's definitely more handsome looking than the way he looks in Mulan Ridge. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of creepy. In I like J- Jim Jim Broadbent's... I'm going to just keep going back to him. Zibler, man. <laughs> he is the best looking character in this too. Like this red... like Two and a half Ronald. hours to get ready every day. Oh, really? He has like Ronald McDonald freaking hair. Yeah. Like red hair. And then his mustache is curled perfectly. Oh, with so like, good. Like this Lucifer Satan little like soul patch thing. Soul patch. That's perfectly triangled. That points out a little bit. That's why I think maybe I thought he was a villain at the very beginning. Yeah. He but he does has... villainous things too. Yeah. But oh man. Well, he's the pimp, right? He's the yeah. one selling the prostitute. Oh, yeah. So you like in this movie messes with your own head. It knows that character's usually the bad guy. Yeah. But it messes with your expectations and says, no, no, no. This person's a good guy. Yeah. So it's, it's oh, he does such a good job. And yeah. he deserves that Oscar, but for the wrong movie, of course. <laughs> um, but he's a great actor, so obviously he still deserves the Oscar. He but... should have been nominated twice. Is that possible? Yeah. Um, uh, who plays Black Widow? <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson got nominated twice this year. For leading actress and supporting actress. For which movies? Um, uh, Marriage Story. Oh, yeah. And uh, um, Taika Waititi's World Oh, Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Okay. So I think she I won for... Did she win for Jojo Rabbit? I, I don't remember. watch it. So. But she, he could have... I think he could have got nominated for lead actor in this. I think he was a lead Did he actor. not get nominated? No. Oh. Yeah, but he won for Ira, so who cares? You know, but... Oh, you're talking about... Uh, Jim. Sorry, when you yeah. were talking about uh, Jojo Rabbit, I was thinking Taika. Sorry. He won uh, screenplay, though. Oh. Taika did. He better have. Yeah, like, that, I mean, that movie's awesome. I don't even know anything about it, but from everything I've seen, I've I seen all of it. his movies. I think it's his second best, worst movie, though. Like, his best movie is What We Do in the Shadows, in my opinion. I, yeah, I still need to see that. Best movie. It's the greatest TV show. Everyone should be watching it. And then, uh, and then I like Hunt for the Wilder People. That's really probably my next that. one. That one's on Hulu. Oh, is it's it? It's pretty oh. easy to stream. And then after that, I think, what was the one that so also He's got a pretty that? small. Oh, it's Thor. I put Thor on probably three. That movie, like, hands down one of my favorite Marvel movies. Oh, it's so great. And then he did a movie called Boy. Which Boy. I, Boy's pretty good, but it's kind of long. That's my only issue with it. Because that one got quite a bit of accolades in New Zealand. Yeah, it did really well. I think Boy's fine. I think he's like still a beginner kind of director. He did a movie before that one called Eagle and the Shark. 
That one is real boring. And oh. the, it doesn't have the same fun that he has with his other movies. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I would put like the Mandalorian episode he directed above Eagle and the Shark. <laughs> Which one did he direct? The last episode. Oh, that the was... best episode yeah. of all the Mandalorians. Because that's the one where the two stormtroopers are just sitting on the bike and like, <laughs> so uh, how long should we wait out here? That kind of seems, uh, uh, that makes sense. It kind of seems like a. It's such a taika. That, that's interesting. That's interesting because he acts in that one too. He has a bigger role. for Yeah. Example. I guess he's, he's not there physically. He just says, or is he the. He's the robot. Is he the mocap for it too? I don't know. I doubt it. So he does the mocap for um, the rock and Thor. Yeah. But the rock dude. Yeah. Anyways. Um. Anyways, enough, let's get back to enough, Moulin Rouge. Enough about Taika. So the, the second act, I think, is the weakest part of the movie, in my opinion. I, for as far as story, I, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say. I, I like it from a musical point of perspective. Because yeah. I like, they do a really good job. So it's a reprise in musicals, the way uh-huh. that yeah. the storytelling element. So the way they use, so the original song, hey, we can talk about the original song now. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not really. I didn't recognize which one was the original song. There are some songs on there that I've never heard. Yeah, the only one in there is Come With Me. Yeah, right. I so knew the name, but yeah. I don't know. Because there's, there's parts of it I didn't, because of the person who, I didn't, didn't even look to see who did the arrangements of this. Because the person who did the arranging, I, there should be an Oscar for that to some degree because they did a phenomenal job. Yeah, I think, the well, the music, the guy who did the music did get nominated for the original music, but all of the yeah. stuff earlier didn't. Yeah, but just the arrangements. I don't yeah. I don't think there's a category for that. Yeah, but I don't think there is. Maybe sound mixing, I guess. Yeah, I guess. They're yeah. combining that this year on the Oscars. Did you know that? Sound mixing and sound editing. They used to be two different. Yeah, I've always wondered why those are separate. Because I know, I know there's technically... There's got to be a difference. There is a difference, like, in what I do. But it's probably but, the same team. Yeah, it's probably the same. That's company. why it was always. Yeah, that, that's why it was bizarre to me because usually the way at least Oscars have always been, there's always like different departments of a film set. Yeah, and that one was kind of combined. Mm-hmm. I, I guess, I guess in bigger budget movies it might be separate because you can get more specialized. I mean, because you kind true. of the more money you have, the more pipeline you can do it. Right, and those are separate parts of the process to some degree. But most people who do sound probably do both of them. Yeah. Anyways, which they didn't even win in this movie. Yeah, I bet Black Hawk, Black Hawk Down did. It that won. seems like an amazing sound mixing I, movie. I didn't need to see that movie. Uh, yeah, we already talked about what it won, right? The mm-hmm. costumes and the set design. Yeah, yeah, Which amazing. Yeah, yeah, those were they're brilliant. Yeah. Um. So in this part of it, like I said, it, it's probably the like I said, there's a lot of music in the second act. Yeah. Uh, um, my favorite scene in the second act is the like the Vir- like a virgin song. That's the only part that Broadbent didn't sing. Well, I like that scene. I do. It's a fun scene. <laughs> it's just interesting because it was, it was the only scene that didn't uh, bore me. I guess if I if I said it was boring, it's this movie's interesting because that first third is so eye-catching bonkers. Yeah, that the second act kind of starts feeling like a regular movie. Yeah. So it, to me, it was. It feels my more romantic comedy. Yeah! 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 <laughs> But yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> it kind of goes to those tropes. Yeah. What well, like I said, as far as I think why I was engaged, I said the music and I'd forgotten so much of this because like on Spotify, when you look up the music, not all the music that's in the movie is on Spotify. Oh, like the show must go on. Sure. None of that's on Spotify. Because that's a queen. I wonder if they couldn't get the rights because that's a queen song. The show, show. must go on. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if like, 
the music, unless you get the actual CD, it's yeah. probably hard to get some of these songs that they couldn't, like Fox couldn't clear yeah. with putting it on Spotify or yeah. whatever. Because there's, there's just so much of the music that I forgot. Because I don't think even, like, because the Never- uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit is not on there. I don't even think Like a Virgin is on there, and that seems incredible. Yeah. Um. But... I, I wrote, I wanted to say this, I wrote um, Elton John Will Always Make You Fall in Love. I forgot to say that during the Elton John song. Um, but yeah, so there's, a, as I was kind of alluding to earlier, and what I really liked about this is usually for, within musicals, usually, and this is where I think where they break away from this, it's really well done, is you will get a song and you'll get a reprise of it for, there's a certain emotion or a certain storytelling element that needs to needs to evolve mm-hmm. or needs to be kind of twisted in some way. Whatever it may be is why that reprise is done. What they do differently with this... I call it the um, I Am Moana moment, which they do this in a lot of musicals, but it's like gaining your self-confidence yeah. for the rest of the movie or the third act. Yep. Right? Like in Moana, she seems like... Because that reprises twice in that movie. Yeah. But the second time is when they go back to the island to yeah. go get... I don't know the names, but yeah, there's a, it happens a lot. Like I know most musicals honestly do yeah. this. Um, yeah, at least in a traditional musical sense, you, um, Hamilton, we were talking about Hamilton a little bit just cause it's coming out on Disney plus probably going to do an emergency episode on that because I, so I know excited. nothing about Hamilton, but I'm kind of excited to see it. I'm so excited. And Carlton knows everything about <laughs> Hamilton. I'm a little bit obsessed with Lin-Manuel Miranda. So, um, in the Heights man, I'm so mad that got pushed. I'm yeah, kind of, I was like, I was so really excited. excited for that. But eh, it will come yeah. out next year. Um, Hopefully. Probably. Um, but he, he does it really interesting because he will he'll take themes. He really, the idea of this is getting a little technical, but a motif. Um, so within Hamilton, just if you've heard Hamilton, the very beginning of the song goes dun 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 And that is used whenever there's a lot of narration within it to kind of exposition, for lack of a yeah. phrase. Um, and so it kind of it, it helps. Um, kind of keep the storytelling, it keeps a good pace with it because it kind of lets you cue in, okay, this is what's happening. This is the, yeah. They do, you'll you'll notice it like superhero movies or whatever too. Mm-hmm. Like think of the Avengers when when the Avengers finally unite, you hear the the Avengers theme kind of yep. come up and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, they're together. This, this really like heightens the mood. Yep. And most of the time it's subtle. It's not as musicals, you notice yeah. it more. Um, and motifs are not even just music um even the, the the cheesy love line like that's a motif it's it's recurring yeah it's used a lot it talks about the beginning of the movie talks about the very end of the movie um but what i like about how they use this theme with come what may is so the reason come what may is written within the context of the movie what about come what june <laughs> that part of the song <laughs> you don't have a response for that just asking. Um, Sheesh! Don't have to laugh at me. So, come what may is in this musical that they're writing. I don't know if you call it a musical. This play that they're writing, and it's the the main character in the play and the secret lover's song. Yes, that's what it is. And it becomes they blatantly point this out in the movie, though. Yeah, they're like, when you hear this song. You're supposed to think of us. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it <laughs> Which was, is fine. It's very it's expositional, good. a little yeah, like yeah. Eh, on the nose, um, but it's used as kind of a. It's their kind of guiding star, Christian and Satine, um, Ian McGregor and Nicole Kidman's character. Even the phrase "come up may" spoken is yes. used as kind of their way to get through 
the crap that happens in the third act. Right. Um, but so you never hear the full song like you usually would. Yeah. It's usually it's them writing the song, the mm-hmm. context of the story. And then it, it's this finality moment at the very end, which it's just it's a really great kind of call and response. Very like kind of a what's the word? We, we talk about this when they um, refer to something in the beginning movie and they they tie into it somehow at the end. It's a callback. Callback. I don't know why I was looking for a more <laughs> technical phrase. That's good. But that, and so the way they do this with Come Up May was just so satisfying. And I like the song already. I listened to That's like, the original one, right? Yep. From, well, it's from Romeo and Juliet. Yep. We didn't so that say was, that. Yeah, so this song was written for Romeo and Juliet. Is Romeo and Juliet, is there music in it? I, there probably is a little. I, it's been a while since I've seen yeah. that. It's the 99 Romeo and Juliet with yeah. uh, um, Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah, which Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to be in this movie. There's a few people. Uh, Heath Ledger was another one supposed to be in this yeah, movie. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they but he said wrote, they really wanted Leonardo, but Leonardo he did everything, and then the director was like, "You can't really sing, dude." Yeah, and that's it. He's like, "You're right, I can't." Interesting, so kind of cast you, McGregor. Anyways, keep going. Um, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, so this was written for. It was never used in Romeo and Juliet, but it was written for Romeo and Juliet, and so it wouldn't. It doesn't qualify. For the Oscar nomination for, the original for song. best original song because mm-hmm. it wasn't written for Moulin Rouge, and it fits. And I can see like an understanding. Freaking of the Oscars! Are they, do they ever get anything right? No, <laughs> too many white people in it. <laughs> they missed a little. Uh, what was it? La La Land that won, and it wasn't supposed to. <laughs> Moonlight won instead. Moonlight. <laughs> um, I can't remember what's going on. Your mo- motifs and stuff. Yeah, but what was I talking about with? Oh, just this song, the history of it. So that was going to, as I can see in kind of the context of Come What May, as, as, if we haven't alluded to this, this hey, is Carlton, a, can you sing Come What May for me? Come what may. Oh, yeah. Come what may. I in the will room. love you. He's here. Until my dying oh my his, day. His lightsaber's coming out. <laughs> his pants. <laughs> <clears throat> That was wonderful little rant you just gave. I love that. And the music. All of that. That was, oh, that was awesome. I've been talking a lot in this episode. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's your favorite movie I think you've done. That would yeah, it's up it's yeah, probably. This is the most unique movie we've done. Oh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Maybe Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is up there, but this movie is crazier than that. Oh yeah. So yeah, then we get to we come to the very, very, very dark third act. Yeah, so we should point out during this act, like the the important parts is like the Duke again. He's getting kind of pushed away by Nicole Kidman by mm-hmm. Satine and and um, and Zidler is helping Nicole Kidman out a lot. He's Not trying- in a good way. He still wants the money. He still wants the Duke happy. He's just like covering her. Yeah. So that's really what happens. Um, like the Virgin scene is pretty much what that is. Is like. Zidler's explaining to the Duke, like, like when she comes, it'll be like a virgin. She'll be like a virgin. Touch yeah. for the very first time, and then they sing that. It's pretty mm-hmm. funny. Uh, it's almost like the Be Our Guest. Oh, yeah. It reminds me of, like, Beauty and the it Beast does. a little it, with bit. The, yeah, that's interesting. I just thought of Very that adult version, but yeah. very, yeah. But it's like all the all the help around is kind of help, you know, mm-hmm. singing it with it. And, yeah. Um, Making him feel... Important. All, yeah, feel important. Yeah. Real interesting. Uh, this is the first musical to get nominated for Best Picture since Beauty and the Beast. It was 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast, because wasn't that also one of the first It was the animated? first animated Best Picture. That's crazy. It was animated and musical. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast is the reason why... No, it might have been Toy Story. 
Anyways, I. Why animated? They do an animate best animated movie instead gotcha. of the best. But it might have been Toy Story. But Shrek won, and that was 2000, 2000. So 2001 was the first year they did. Anyways, that's another story I yeah. have to look into a little bit more. Um, okay, so the third act is the play, really. the like They, they finish the play up. They have it all. We got to say at the very end of act two, the Duke's like, yo, oh, okay. I wrote this note down. This is the only thing really, that, this is another thing that bothered me in the movie is that there's that burlesque dancer who's like so against Ewan McGregor falling in love with Nicole Kidman. Oh yeah, the I one who kind of one person she kind of ruins. She's the only person. So yeah. she, this girl comes up to the duke and says, "Hey, like shouldn't shouldn't the rich like Indian prince or whoever he is fall in love with the girl in the end, not the not the poor So writer? shouldn't shouldn't the girl fall in love with the rich person, not the writer in the Oops. play? <laughs> cuz she said cuz he's the that instrument, I can't think of what it's called. A sitar. Yeah, he's a young sitar. He's a poor sitar oh, player. That's what it is. He's a sitar player compared yeah. to like. So it really it's the same story, just in the playful. Yeah, that's the meta kind yeah. of. Yeah, and but the, with what she does is she says with the poor writer, oops, like she kind of yeah. very intentionally like points out what's that wrong. They're with the, sleeping together. Nicole yeah, Kidman and Ian McGregor, and so then that's kind of kicks off the third act. Is he goes up to to the whole group and says, "I hate the ending." Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean the play starts tomorrow? Yeah. And they said, he said, no, no. The play needs to be changed. He need, She needs to marry the rich guy by the end. He'll he'll support her. He'll do give everything she ever wants for her entire life. And then Ian McGregor ruins it even more. <laughs> because he doesn't, because she doesn't love you, is yes. what he says. Another so, oops. Yep. <laughs> but his was out of... Because her the other one was kind of it was it was a, on purpose. It's the a first weird one was on purpose. Like I get where you're coming. It's a weird catalyst for him finding out. It's just the first time is fine. It happens again later, where the same burlesque dancer goes up to Uma McGregor and is like, "Get out of here! No one wants you here." And it's just like, oh, something. it's when they're like waiting or whatever. Yeah, huh? they're just sitting there waiting for the Duke to kind of make up his mind or whatever. It's during the Roxanne scene. Yes, which. I that's my least favorite version of that. Really, song. I love that okay. version so we can, much. We can talk about that when it comes up. But the she says it again, which I was like, "Who is this girl? Like, why is she doing this? Why yeah. you, there's no build up to this? Yeah. And she hates you, McGregor. I don't know why. Yeah, there's n- there's nothing to jealousy, indicate. Yeah. but there's nothing there. There's nothing to call back to. Nothing yeah. to that was that's definitely a weak writing moment for sure. Yeah, it's my only issue is like that. W- yeah. Anyways. Uh, so that's the third act is they're trying to figure out like, oh, is the play going to be, how is it going to end? Yep. How's it going to end? But in kind of the beginning of the third act is a very dark, and you talk about the, the a pretty much a rape scene. Yes. Yeah, so Nicole Kidman, so Z- Zidler says, you have to go and be with the Duke tonight. Yeah. If you don't, he will kill you McGregor. Oh yeah. Cause he threatens to kill. Mm-hmm. And, and that was after, like, the virgin scene. He says, mm-hmm. hey, he, she's got to be here or I'm going to kill the writer. Yeah. So so Nicole Kidman has to make this tough choice of just getting rid of Ewan McGregor. Just be saying, goodbye, you're done, Christian. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. So that is um, – so that's what happens, and Ewan McGregor is trying to figure it out. He's very confused. Yeah. So then Nicole Kidman meets with the Duke at, at the, the tower and gets – like Nicole Kidman's kind of backing out. Like, I don't want to touch him because she sees you and McGregor outside. Yep. 
and that's when she's like starting to like resist and yeah. then the duke's like i deserve you because bef- yeah because like, as she goes in she's playing her part as the prostitute like yep. when she goes in she's dressed the, the part mm-hmm. she's ready to do what she needs to do yep and then yeah she sees Ewan mcgregor and um that's interesting i i think i like the version so i, I can i can see why someone may not like this version of roxanne I like the storytelling of this song. I like the storytelling. It's the guy who sings it. He's like, it's like, Roxanne. I love his voice so much. I hated it. I love, <laughs> I like that. I like a grovelly. Like it's, it's, you usually will associate with like rock music. A lot of yeah. rock musicians will have, I'm trying to think of like a, like a weird rock. David Cook is someone I think. He's not really rock. I'm thinking but. of the guy who sings Ace of Spades. Ace of Spades. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. Like I said, it's it's definitely a taste thing yeah. for sure. Like uh, I, I like that like some of that music, but, I, but it just wasn't working for me. And yeah. especially like Sting, I think has such a good voice that it, it's a totally different version though. Like totally. it's way like because yeah. Roxanne is a, kind of a not softer. It's, like, a, it's a reggae a, song. Yeah, it's like you don't have to put on your red shoes. Yeah, Roxanne. Yeah, yeah. totally different version. Um. I just like, because there's like a, I don't know if Spanish is the right word, because I, I believe that the violin playing, um, that violin style is, it's either a gypsy jazz, like it's a gypsy, I don't, like I said, this is where, I, where I'm not as familiar with my aspect of music, but the, I like that violin, I like the I like the back and forth between that singer and Ewan McGregor, because it's such a stark contrast. Yeah. I liked so, the Ian McGregor car. I just didn't like the yeah. how the. I can see why. I think it maybe it goes on a little longer than I wanted it to as well. Like yeah. it just felt like it kept going and kept going. Like I get the point. She's a prostitute. Yeah. This is her job. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I don't know why it didn't connect with me. Yeah. But it's again. I think just this act two. I mean, we're we're starting to get into act three, but like this time is just it was a little bit yeah. less loved for me than. Yeah. Like like I said, I can see. It's not eye candy like the first. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I said, it is. You go on a myriad of emotions in this movie. Yeah. Um. Like this part, you're getting really upset because then Nicole Kidman's about to get just. Yeah. Because she's resisting at this point. Yes. She does not. And this is where Michelle talks about her her favorite silent character, the black dude, because he's in it. Oh. He's in it visually. This is kind of confusing too, because I thought the Duke died. Oh. Like he's just there, laying there with blood on his head. I was like, oh, this black guy just killed him. Yeah, I can see and that. And then he shows up. I'm like, oh, never mind. He's, yeah. he's alive. <laughs> um, but that was kind of a, that's an interesting, like Michelle always talked about, he's one of her favorite, because he's, he's in it the entire movie, this character, this black dancer. Something happened. Yeah, Snapchat. <laughs> oh. Uh, just writing back. Okay. Something for off air. What? Something for off air. <laughs> I don't care. It was just a friend who said he's going to start The Last of Us Part Two, And I was like, ooh, so good. Don't quit until you get to Seattle is what I'm going to say. Okay, I'm going to have to take a pause because oh, my dog needs to go outside. Gosh, how do you spell quit? Q-U-I-T? Yep. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Um, anyways, Moulin Rouge. Uh, let's talk about how the original Moulin Rouge, they didn't wear underwear under their dresses. Uh, they were completely nude, but to keep with the PG-13, they put like burlesque underwear on underneath oh i was going to talk about too carlton can still hear me but this is like the era when they did a lot of burlesque stuff like panic at the disco did this um the killers like mr brightside is very moulin rouge looking i bet they were inspired by this movie oh i'm sure because i think mr brightside was done in 2004 yeah and panic the disco same therefore is about the same time yeah 
Um, so I just thought that was really in themed right now. Yeah. I can see that. And it's interesting to think about just because as someone who's kind of involved with people who are very much in that scene, like, uh, what's that uh, hot topic? Mm-hmm. A lot of the friends I had music wise were into hot topic and those type of things. But Moulin Rouge was never something that was talked about, which is interesting because it's probably inspired a lot. Yeah. I think Moulin Rouge was, I remember people talking a lot about it during my plays. People who love musicals and love plays love this movie. I can see that. So they kept, they kept talking about it. Um, anyways, so at this point, like, Nicole Kimmon, though, is protecting Uma McGregor. Uma McGregor was supposed to run away, but he comes back because the play starts. Yeah, because there's, there's an interesting kind of where, like I said, this is something where it could have been done really bad, in my opinion, this whole kind of back and forth with Nicole Kidman, because after, once she's saved, she comes back to Ian McGregor crying and, like, professing the love type thing and this is where they kind of plan on leaving yeah and that's where and then this is where you find out as they're getting ready to do they're getting ready for the play and Zidler tells Nicole Kidman that she's dying because which she kind of already knew so I thought that was weird that I don't think she knew she was dying I think she knew she was sick I don't know if she knew she was dying I mean I it happens we didn't say but it happens probably once or twice each act yeah she passes out and blood is in her mouth or whatever there's one really bad time where she was supposed to meet up with the duke or with ewan mcgregor but she doesn't meet up with either because she's so sick yeah it it looks like it's uh tuberculosis it doesn't ever say what it is but but that's what some kind of std or something yeah probably actually that makes more sense (laughs) tuberculosis is an std oh it is can be oh okay well it's a blood disease yeah it was just very popular death (laughs) yeah i think you can get it through sex I don't know why I never thought of STD for her dying. So it makes this makes the most sense. <laughs> I think I, I always was, I think I was, t- there's A and B though. Isn't there two different TBs? And then, Oh, uh, okay. Maybe I'm I wrong. Don't I don't know. We're not doctors. Don't talk <laughs> to us about that. So, okay. We're at the play. Are we yep. at the play? Yep. Cause the play right looks, be- let's talk about the play. Yeah. Cause right before she goes to the play, that's where I talk. Oh yeah. I was going to finish this quick thought oh. of like going back and forth where I think this could have, you could have done this poorly. Um, but she goes back and again, after professing your love, they're going to talk about running away. She has to convince him to leave because a, he'll get shot if he's still around yep. and she's going to die anyways. She knows they can't be together. Yeah. Um, and so she does that and it plays this off really we did, wrecking even McGregor. We didn't talk about the meta standpoints, but from the very beginning, like when they're writing the play and stuff they're they say stuff like in the third act, the person, a person dies. You know, they were saying, Oh, that they did do that. I don't there's know. There's a lot of foreshadow yeah. in like when they're pitching the idea to yeah. the Duke. So you're wondering, well, who's going to die? Like the Duke, or is it going to be Satine or is yeah. it, it's not going to be Christian, but who like maybe Zidler is going to die. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about the play for a second. Musical. It's a, really, it's just like a circus, Dele- circus away kind of show. It's yeah. just extravagant. It's like spectacular, spectacular. Yeah. But man, this, this set is brilliant oh my gosh it's gorgeous. i think this 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 part alone is probably what won them the oscar oh my gosh like the whole movie is gorgeous great like everything about this movie is great set wise but this it's just oh, everything it's, about it's beautiful. it beautiful it's like multi-tier very like almost reminds me of the 1940s uh if you look back at the 1940s movies and um like life stages there's a movie called some like a hot um where like there's can-can dancers on these multi-level tiers with like stairs up the middle. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? That's what it reminded me of. Is yep. They kind of stole that idea of like, let's do multi-tiers. They can do the can-can on each tier. You can kind of see each new character. 
and Zidler uh, is just like belching out these wonderful lines. He's playing the rich guy, and then uh, there's like the sitar guy standing over there. Oh, I don't know. It's just brilliant. Yeah. And then the costume designs. Oh, yeah. like Nicole Kidman's wearing this beautiful headdress yeah. that looks straight. It's out. A very like when you look at a lot of the promotional pictures, it's like. When you look at Moulin Rouge, it's this image. There's a video, and it's that image of her win this she, yeah, crown she's a, thing. It's like a sun crown is yeah. like the best way to put it. And she looks beautiful, and they have this like blue light that goes off. And the director said he chose this blue light because he he thought Nicole Kidman's skin glowed. It did because she's light. kind of a really white person. Par- yeah, she's parcel parcel. Porcelain skin. Porcelain skin person. So they were like, yeah, she glows in this. Um, the necklace, I don't think the necklace in this scene, but the necklace uh, when she's at oh. the tower is real. Yeah, it's, it's a, like a million dollar a necklace. Million platinum and real diamonds. Yeah, crazy. Gorgeous. It said, they said it was the most expensive uh, movie piece that has ever been made. Um, but anyways, there's just a lot of detail put into this set, and uh, it really just shines. So I just wanted to say that. I think thing was interesting. So there's a there's a, a fact in here about from the director, um, and I, I feel like most of it is probably influencing this the, the play in general that they do in this. But uh, when I was in India researching Midsummer Night's Dream, we went to this huge ice cream picture palace to see a Bollywood movie. Here we were with two thousand Indians watching a film in Hindi, and there. There was the lowest comedy and then incredible drama and tragedy and then breakout in songs. And it was three and a half hours long. We thought we had suddenly learned Hindi because we understood everything. We thought it was incredible how involved the audience were, how uncool they were, how their coolness had been ripped aside and they were, how they were united in the singular sharing of the story. The, thrilling, the thrill of thinking, could we ever do this in the West? Could we ever get past the cerebral cool and perceived cool? It required this idea of comic tragedy. Could you make the, those switches? And so that, I mean, you, you talk about how, like, how funny this movie is at some points and how incredibly heart-wrenching this movie is. But I also think that I imagine this research of watching this Bollywood movie and this experience had a lot of influence on. Wow. It's, yeah, you can really see that through this. Um, so the third act, Ewan McGregor comes back, and mm-hmm. that's the whole movie. They There's a pretty pretty big part I, I missed in kind of this where he he understood because the way she kind of has him leave is she said he, he's just she's just doing her job is pretty much what she says yeah and he says how come you you i've never had to pay you is what he says because in mind this is true love because she everyone else has paid her in the yeah. past and so that's part of it he he sneaks into the production because the the argentinian falls asleep <laughs> very i think that was one thing um, do you ever watch? Uh, have you ever watched? Uh, what are they called? Honest um, pitch meeting. No, I'll have to show you it. Okay. Screen Rant, super funny. Screen Rant, all their stuff is garbage except a pitch meeting. Um, I think you've talked about it on the podcast, probably. Before. Okay, okay. But he he he'll talk about where like something will happen within a movie, and I'm like, oh, that'd be a great element to help them do this. Oh, they'll never do it again. <laughs> that was one thing I did notice with the um, narcoleptic. It's beginning and at the very end oh, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't really they don't use that element throughout it i mean I understand it could be distract because it is distracting right like it's that it it moves the story along very heavily um but I, that was kind of the thing i noticed of like uh been watching uh pitch meeting too much <laughs> but so he takes over the thing and what he does in this play he comes out and he he pays her off mm. 
because he's that this is him being angry right um and so he he walks off the stage and the duke's happy because like he could have because this and there's kind of this whole kind of like cat and mouse chase of the guy who's yeah. his kind of sidekick the duke has like a bodyguard that's yeah. been like hunting Ewan mcgregor down because he yep. saw him come into the the stage yep. area and so there's kind of there's a lot of that happening within this moment as well with the music um I wish I remember the song that was going on. I don't. Is it the show must go on? I don't because the show must go on is before this. Oh, it's like right before. Yeah. Okay. There's a different song that's happening as this final act of the, the I play. I bet it tells me the order Probably. of the songs. On. I'll look. But he, so he leaves the stage because everything's kind of gone quiet. The audience thinks um, this is part of the production because um, Zidler kind of plays it off. He's like, oh, the guy has lost his beard and done this to kind of help keep the play so they don't get bad reviews, whatever they're doing for that. Um, but then this is where I, this is the reason I'm talking again. This is the come sad diamonds. The last three songs are complaint. De La Butte, Hindi sad diamonds and nature boy. Hmm. So I don't know those songs offhand. Anyways, they, so yeah, so there, then there's this musical moment of come up may in its entirety of them singing. So she starts singing to him on stage. Yes. And this is her kind of professing, like, her love mm-hmm. to him and so we have this great musical moment and then there's kind of like there's always a lot of like kind of over i want to talk about during this song is like the most nuts thing you could put during this professor love song and it's this gun getting bounced around like a pinball table oh yeah and it is brilliant it's oh yeah so funny because at first i was like this is silly this yeah. is this gun is getting passed around like like i said a pinball table and and then at the very end it hits the 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 tower in Paris. Uh, the, what's the, oh yeah, when it goes out the window. Yeah, what is it called? I can't the, remember. What's the, oh, uh, it, it's not. Um, what the heck is it? Anyways, it's Eiffel Tower. It is the Eiffel. Oh, Tower. is it? Yeah. So it hits oh. the Eiffel Tower, and then I was like, oh, it, the whole thing was it was supposed to be comedic. Yeah. The whole thing, and at first I was like, oh my gosh, this thing is just bouncing and bouncing. It's a bouncy ball. Here it goes, and I was I almost wrote like. What the heck is wrong with the gun? It's and a, then it hits the Eiffel Tower. I was like, oh, it's on purpose. That was funny. It's okay. a weird, it's an interesting juxtaposition of emotions. Yeah. Because that's a very comedic thing for a very heavy part. Yeah. As Because as an audience member, you know that she's going to die. Yeah. And this, because this, uh, that's why I really want to talk about the the impact of that call and response of a, of a song in a musical mm-hmm. does, because it's always been kind of their driving force for their relationship. Come what may, yeah. I'll always love you till my dying days also kind of a foreshadow. That's why it's interesting how, I mean, I understand how it could fit in Romeo and Juliet, but how perfectly it fits in yeah. this. Oh, this has kind of the same structure as oh, Romeo yeah. and Juliet. You know, like it's two worlds that are not really supposed to be together mm-hmm. anyways. And, and she's going to die at the end and, and all of this. But so like, I can see why it works anyways. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's that kind of universal language of love, yeah. but it, it, he did a good job of putting this song in here. Oh, yeah. He's like, Oh, I, forgot, I have this song. That I could put in this movie that it I have from so Romeo well. and Juliet, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that that's pretty much how it ends. They have their celebration, yeah. and then she dies. Yep. And so throughout it, um, you do have a, a kind of a, a downtrodden Ian McGregor telling the story. He kind of narrates it. There's yeah, it's only like five or six times. He's like writing a novel. Yeah. Or like a, 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 a yeah. He's writing something. Biography. He's writing yeah. Is whatever. Kind of, or a, a tell all or yeah. whatever it is. And so that's kind of, she wants him to make sure because she knows he's a writer. Like, this is kind of, it's kind of cheesy, but I feel like their acting kind of overplays the cheese of the line of like writer story type yeah. thing. 
but I their acting is great. Ewan McGregor, I feel like it's very. I cry in it. I cry every time. I'm, I cry very easily, though. I'll admit. Um, so I cried in this part again, as I've done multiple times in watching this film. But an interesting thing. I wonder what made them decide not to do this. Um, one of the story elements that was supposed to be is Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman was supposed to be a mom of a three-year-old, mm. and the the storytelling element is supposed to be Ian McGregor telling the story to her son. Oh. I I'm glad they didn't add a child. Yeah. It is kind of like it's hard to act with child children. And I can, that that's was probably part of it. yeah, acting with children can be problematic. But that was like I've been reading books, so there's certain things you can get away with in books. Oh, that, like I said, there's a lot of things with every art, but like because I've I've been in that world, I'm like that would have been a very interesting emotional. Because then he's kind of taking care of the kid. I think that's just me from a dad kind of like that's yeah. just a like dad perspective. I think I can it's see an old trope too. It is where like this one is a little bit more like what's gonna happen? What's why is mm-hmm. he drunk? You yeah, know, like he has alcohol bottles yeah. everywhere, and and at one moment you're like, oh, we've caught up to where he's telling the story, and then you realize, oh no, we're not. Yeah. So I kind of like that. Yeah, I'm glad I said, they got rid of that. It's just it's just always interesting to think yeah, about no, just I because didn't of that in telling in. In viewing other stories. Mm-hmm. What was that movie we did really early of this podcast with uh, Ryan Reynolds? And he was telling the girl. He uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds with the girl. We did it on the podcast. It was like our first movie or something. Oh, the... Movie. Why can't I think of what that movie's called? Um, Definitely Maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a very similar trope. I forgot about that. Yeah. That just made me think of that. Um, Yeah, this movie's great. Yep. If you've never seen it, watch it. Yeah. Um, we're, so expect two more musicals after yep. this. Um, I gave it, I put three and a half stars on Letterbox because of that second act kind of bugged me. I think it just slowed down. It felt like it was it was going to a complete halt there, and then the third act lift my spirits back up. So yep. thank you, third act. And then the conductor guy came back, which I was always happy for. The conductor guy who did the conducting of the 20th Century Fox song. He comes back? Yeah, at the very end. Oh, my copy of the DVD. I don't know. <laughs> I had like a special edition. I wanted to talk about this for a second. Like, remember when DVDs had these special editions with like three discs and it was like a special looking yeah. box set? Mine was like, mine had like red curtains and you opened it and you opened the red curtains. There's two discs. That's amazing. Inside. Oh, it's pretty cool. I, I got it that. at the DI for like two bucks. That's awesome. <laughs> and then, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I was like, oh, this is a cool set. They don't do that anymore. You know, like Criterion does some stuff like that, but no one, no other DVD. They, they're like, well, I don't need to spend money on movies. You just yeah. release them. People just watch them. Yeah, it's true. It has a bunch of special features I kind of wanted to watch, but I didn't have time. Might have to steal that from you sometime. Yeah, for sure. So, do you want to do. We You had a new thing that you wanted to do, and I can't remember what oh, it's called. Oh, Two Truths and a Lie, and I forgot to do that again. Okay. I could do one real quick. I will. Oh, I wanted to read this real quick. Um, at the very beginning, during the manic bonkers scenes, uh, there's a moment where they're singing outside, and you can see the moon animated singing with them. And I knew I was in the right movie. You know. Oh like, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, beautiful. Um, actually, I don't have anything. I said all my facts. So. Okay. We can just do um, letterbox. Not letterbox. Uh, box office. Box office. What is that? 2001? What year or what month did it come out? June. June, okay. What is the... Why can't I think what the podcast is called? Oh, Box Off. Or uh, Blank Checks. Blank Checks. Box Office Box Office game. Which I'm terrible at, so that's always fun. So the first one is a war film. 
War Film 2001. War Film of June 2001. How much money did it make? $118 million. Overall, dang, it did pretty good. Moulin Rouge wasn't number one, huh? Mm-mm. I thought it did well. Okay, War Movie 2001. I know this movie, right? Yeah. Saving fun. Private Ryan? No. Oh, no, that wouldn't be... That's like... Oh, think Boats. Boats. Uh, Master and Commander? No. Okay. 2001, Think Boats. I've seen this movie. I'm, I'd be surprised if you didn't. It's a long movie. It's boats. got Cuba Gooding Jr. in it. Oh, Pearl Harbor? Yep. Oh. I wasn't sure if I I have seen it. It's a disappointing movie. I don't remember. It did really well because I think 9-11. Oh, no, this is pre-9-11. Because this is a Pearl, yeah. Yeah, no, I remember that movie. I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it later because it was two VHS. Three-hour movie. It's crazy. Stupid long. Michael Bay. Was it Michael Bay? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's like, it was like his chance to get an Oscar nominated, but it wasn't as good as they wanted it to be. Um, So number two is an animated film. You referen- we've referenced a lot of movies on this one, so I don't know if that'll give it away. Uh, it's an animated film, 2001. Yep. I'm going to say... Very popular franchise. Toy well. Story 2? Nope. Oh, it's Shrek. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Shrek. Shrek number one. Yep. I'm Donkey. I don't know this movie. I realized I was going to look it up while you were doing stuff. It's Shrek. Uh, Shrek is the... Like, it looks bad today. It does. I think Toy Story 1 looks better than Shrek. Oh, yeah. Because they used real people, and it looks weird. Except for, uh, uh, what, the main villain or whatever, the short guy. Because he looks like a cartoon character, so it yeah. works. The heck? I don't even know what but, this is. So, number... I don't know, too many tabs open right now. Number three was a comedy sci-fi Comedy sci-fi. Rob oh. Schneider. Oh, Rob Schneider. Comedy sci-fi. I don't know how emphasis on the, the sci-fi. animal. Yep. Okay. <laughs> sci-fi. That's kind of weird. I mean, he turns. It's like a dog turns into a human. Oh. And he, he like chases after cats. It's a stupid. They. It's like a studio comedy they made for ten million dollars. Probably. They would never make this movie anymore. Yeah. Well, they would, but it'd be on Netflix. And they did. It's called The Ridiculous Six, starring Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider. So number was four. Was that number five? That oh, was number three. three. Okay. Number four. This. Um, I'll give you this hint now, because it could be this one or the next one. Moulin Rouge was in the top five. Oh, but it's not number four. It is I said it. I'm, I'm gonna oh. let you just. I'm trying to like. I'm trying to figure out ways to give hints without like giving too hard of hints. Well, you know, you can tell me. Move on, Ridges Four. Yeah. Okay. So okay. number five. Number five is a comedy crime with Martin Lawrence and Danny DeVito. <sighs> what a crime drama. Uh, okay, so drama. What a crime comedy. A rich man catches a thief burglarizing his Get home. Get Shorty. Nope. That's and steals the thief's lucky ring, who then tries one. to get it back. What is it? What's the worst that could happen? Oh, I've never heard of that movie. Interesting. Yep. What's the worst that could happen? Huh? Yep. Other movies that came out that year were Mummy Returns, number six, A Knight's mm-hmm. Tale was seven, oh. Bridget Jones was eight. There we go. Angel yep. Eyes was nine, and Memento was ten. I don't know if those that's were. a fun. That was a fun summer for yep. movies. We've done three Spike. of those movies. Yeah, there's a lot of like because. Uh, 
Spy Kids came out. Crocodile Dundee. Wow. Oh, Brother, Where Out Thou? I remember. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Save the Last Dance. How old? Are, I would have been nine. Cast and I remember away. a lot of these movies. Obviously, some of these aren't their opening weekends, but. Um, um, Chocolat was that year. Before I do. Uh, before I do the letterbox, I just want to say we've been doing this for a year. Is it a year now? Well, the beginning of June, actually. I was looking when I uploaded our first episode. Okay. And our first episode was uploaded June 9th. So we probably uh, recorded like beginning of May because I think yeah. we recorded two episodes. Yeah. And we had no idea what we were doing. We still don't. But like number <laughs> our episode one was called What to What to Expect. It's our number one listen to episode. It's probably bad. I haven't listened to it in a long time. Number two is What is a Rom-Com? We were definitely supposed to watch a movie by then and we yeah. didn't. <laughs> and then we were like, okay, let's start with the proposal. <laughs> so... Thanks for everyone who stuck with us a whole yeah. year. Um, and tell your friends about us. But yeah, uh, yeah. it's kind of cool. One year. We have 38 episodes. So, oh, we have more in the bank. This episode won't come out till August. Yeah. So it's been long past a year by then. Probably longer. It might yeah. be like September. I think we have four episodes before this one, right? Yeah. That's all on my hard drive, so I don't know offhand. Yeah. I can't look it up on my computer. Oh, that's cool. So, um... Yeah, letterbox. I have a good one. Nice. This guy, Demi Adagig. I can't say this. Let me try. Demi Adagib. Ad Adagib. Adagib. Look at that name. Addy. Yeah, I'm not even gonna try. I shouldn't have tried. I feel like <laughs> I offended him. He gave it two stars. Oh, he wow. said, "It is insane. Insane isn't." italicized it says it is insane how relentlessly horny movies were right before 9-11 my man baz directed this thing like a tasmanian devil on silas that's <laughs> so good i mean that's fair that's a great comment <laughs> that's funny but anyways uh don't forget to rate review subscribe please give us five stars it really helps out a lot um, don't forget to uh, like us on our social meets at romcom dudes. Email us at romcom dudes at gmail.com. Uh, visit our website, www.romcomdudes.com. And as always, stay, first off, stay tuned for our musical episodes. We'll oh, do a reminder of that. We're reminder two more. two more musical episodes after this one. Thank you, Carlton. Uh, and as always, there's come what may. What is it? Come what may. Come what may. Come what may.